Hey there, friends. How's it going? My name is Kyle Devlin, and I am the host of this podcast. This is the Having a Blast podcast. Having a Blast is a pop punk and emo podcast where we'll be doing a deep dive on important albums and bands. We'll also be speaking with band members, producers, and friends. If you happen to like what you hear, if you could do me a huge favor, perhaps give us a five-star review. That just really helps get the algorithms working in our favor, and then more people can hear the podcast. Or Another thing that really helps us out is if you share it with a friend. If you've got a friend that enjoys this type of music, pop punk and indie, I'd greatly appreciate it. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. friends i hope you all are doing well and are having a wonderful and productive day out there i am very excited because today i'm speaking with my friend mr danny freeman danny is in the uk pop punk alternative band a few too many he is the guitarist slash co-vocalist for the band danny is also the founder and curator of the facebook group the pop punk networking group I wanted to have Danny on for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to know what it was like being in a band across the pond in the year 2021, especially considering how many bands have been popping up from that area, infiltrating and inspiring the scene. I also wanted to know how Danny became such a networker and why that is such an important element when a person decides to do anything in this life. I wanted to know what exactly inspired that. A Few Too Many was recently signed to Lost Music Collective, co-founded by Mr. Vinny Fiorello, the previous drummer of Less Than Jake, and one of the co-founders of Fueled by Ramen Records. We talk about that, Fall Out Boy, and what it's like to get on the same page in a creative endeavor. It's a fun listen. I know you'll take away something from this conversation, especially if you're in a band. I think you'll get a lot out of this. So without further ado, please enjoy my wide-ranging conversation with Mr. Danny Freeman. How are you? How you doing? Good, dude. No, not too bad at all, thank you. Good. Pretty good, actually, to be honest. It's been, like, good weather over here in the UK for a change, which it never is. Um, <laughs> like we're, we're starting to kind of get our our spring or our summer on, which is high time, because other than that, we've all been cramped inside, not able to do much, so yeah, now everyone's kind of hitting the parks and, like, having ice cream and sitting outside, which is nice, so yeah, yeah pretty happy. It's like that here in the States as well. We're starting to get warmer weather more consistently. It's been yeah. kind of sporadic and all over the place, but today it's gorgeous out today. So I think after this, we're gonna go get some late lunch or something, me and my partner. But so right now is springtime for you guys as well? Yeah, it's just sort of kind of starting to kick off. We've had a few weeks where it's been sort of up and down throughout April, we sort of get April showers. Okay. And on and off and then it's it sort of starts to pick up after that and gradually get better and better and then you hit like august and that's like our that's our best month basically okay cool yeah sounds like the midwest here in the states cool i was curious to know what the weather was like there today so is it usually pretty overcast there i know i'm asking a lot of questions about the weather but i've never actually been to europe so i have Uh, no idea it rains a lot i think most people who live in the uk would probably say the same thing it just it feels never ending when it rains 
it usually rains for days on end. And then when it doesn't, it's a nice surprise, which is why everybody literally suddenly acts like it's the middle of the summer, even if it's not, and starts walking around in like board shorts and sandals. And even like, it's, it's not even that warm, but just yeah. because it stopped raining, like everybody sort of goes straight outside. It's crazy, but yeah. You guys probably really appreciate when it gets warm then. It's probably a nice, like you said, yeah. a nice surprise. Have you ever heard of seasonal affective disorder? That seems to be yeah. picking up steam here in the States a lot. I hear that a lot more, especially where I'm from in the Midwest, because we'll have six months of bitter cold sometimes, not even the most fun winter where you get snow and you actually have something to look at, but it's just yep. cold and gray. And we have to be conscientious of that because it can really start to negatively impact our mental health and things like yeah. that. I mean, I kind of have like maybe a touch of that, but I have some friends who, you know, who suffer with that really badly. Yeah. Um, and then if you throw, you know, like coronavirus and the fact that we've all been stuck inside into the mix as well, it just makes it 10 times worse. Everything sure. just feels like, you know, amplified by like a million because of the, you know, because of the pandemic. Yeah, that's definitely an unfortunate piece of this whole puzzle, right? Are you yeah. guys locked down right now? So we're kind of in a bit of a weird situation. The UK just generally is. Uh, we had this kind of tiering system before where each part of the UK is in a different tier, uh, dependent on like their infection rate and stuff like that. And now we've gone into kind of like, we are in unlock mode, but it's it's like a gradual unlock. It's not like everything at the same time. Yeah. So at the moment, my understanding is like parks, like hairdressers, some of the like amenities and stuff like that. They're kind of like starting to open back up, but we're not yet back at the point where like people are inside at pubs and seating indoors and like cafes is not a thing. Like I went into town the other day and, you know, it was really nice because everyone's sitting outside on the common, like the big, uh, the big field in the middle of town and like obviously socially distancing still and all of that kind of stuff. But, mm. uh, if you go into like Starbucks, for example, there's no, like, there's no seating. There's no way you can. So it's just literally you go in, you get your order and then take it out into town and find somewhere outside to sit. So it's all, it is unlocking, but kind of everything's outside at the moment and they're doing it in a very gradual process. But yeah, that's our government. So <laughs> yeah, we could probably talk a lot about different ideologies yeah, yeah. and methodologies when it comes to this whole thing. I mean, the states are in kind of this weird transitional period too. We're fortunate enough to have the vaccines, which I don't know if we necessarily deserve that privilege here in the states, but that seems to be the case, but we're still, it's different depending on the state in which you live. So there's things opening up and we have a tiering system as well, but it's different depending on where you live. So it's kind of confusing. And I think that ultimately leads to frustration for a lot of people. But yeah, I can imagine it's been difficult knowing what the future holds as far as what that looks like. But you just gave a very eloquent answer. I appreciate that because I'm curious how things are going in other countries. You know, I'll read about it on the daily news, just kind yeah. of how things are happening across the globe, because I don't want to be one of those people that's just so narrowly focused where I'm just thinking about where I live and it's different depending on where you live. So that makes sense. But I was just going to say, it's definitely one of those things where with the news, I kind of, I've had to be careful because at the beginning I was pretty much watching it, you know, on a daily basis to get an update and see what was happening around the world and also uh, in the UK. But then there was like so much negative, obviously like understandably because there's a lot of negative things happening, but sure. it gets to a point where like you're absorbing so much of that, that it can start to have a negative impact on your mental health and and I could Absolutely. see that, that was the way it was going to go for me. So I do check in like at least maybe once a week, but there's no way that I check it every day because if I did, then, <laughs> you know, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd be like, wow. Um, yeah. Totally throw me. 
you just go into a tailspin of doom and gloom. And yep. there's a saying here in the States. I don't know if, if you've ever heard this before, but they say things like if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. So this yeah. is the a concept that's been around for much longer than just coronavirus. But there's a time and place to try to be informed about what's going on. But at the same time, like you said, you don't want it to basically infiltrate you and your daily life because it can really start to inhibit all the things that you're doing because you're just so inundated with bad news or seemingly bad news. You know, it's not like they give the updates on every amazing thing that's happening every single day. So we as people, we tend to gravitate towards the negative because we've got that internal negativity bias and that's just what our focus tends to lead towards. So that completely makes sense. I think that's a wise strategy, checking the news maybe once a week. I'm kind of in the same boat. I can't just sit there and scroll on my phone all day long. I'll just be in a not the best mood. (laughs) It's the same with Twitter as well, like because, you know, every other day there's something trending on Twitter about coronavirus and that's a very easy rabbit hole to fall into. In the same way that if you go on YouTube, you know, one video leads to another. It's kind of like that with hashtags on Twitter, especially when it's related to the pandemic. And then you're like, oh, what's that about? And then before you know it, like you've looked at 10 different hashtags and it all seems really bad. And you're like, oh, wow. Like it just totally puts you in a sour mood. So absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have positive things that you're focusing on too, you know? Well, cool, man. Well, shifting gears a little bit. So I wanted to have a conversation with you because I kept seeing more and more of your posts and it looks as though your band, A Few Too Many, is picking up steam and gaining some momentum, which is really cool, man. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I've been listening to your band for the last week and I like the singles quite a bit and i've listened to the albums as well just kind of in the background but your latest single history is really good and you've already got considerable amount of streams you're at almost fourteen thousand streams on that one particular single do you credit that to signing to lost music collective i mean i think that certainly uh, you know has a huge part to play like lost uh, are really like a family to us i know that's a really cliche thing to say but honestly like from the first time that we kind of virtually met with those guys, we knew that we were all very much mentally on the same page and visions and goals. Like all of that was completely aligned and our ethic ever since like we, you know, kind of started the band. uh, Well, ever since I started the band has been a very sort of DIY kind of ethic. And that was something that, you know, they didn't want us to abandon. They wanted to sort of hone that and build that. And so that we all kind of work together as this big, collective you know they are called lost music collective and that's very much yeah. kind of their, their mindset and you know when it came to to history yeah they definitely i would like definitely credit them for you know for for some of the traction that 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 track has got um, cool. and we really enjoyed putting that together and then you know obviously uh, andrew way did a fantastic job of mixing and mastering it as well so Yeah, I can tell. He's a talented guy. I really enjoy his stuff. There was a period of time where I was teaching myself Pro Tools and I actually bought one of his courses on vocals and incredibly smart guy, prolific guy. I enjoy his thoughts on recording. And anytime he gives tidbits on any type of social media, I'm always listening because he always has something profound to say when it comes to audio engineering and things like that. It sounds great. The new single sounds rad. You guys were definitely picking up steam before that, before you announced the signing and everything. And last music collective just for the listeners just for context is co-owned or co-founded by mr Vinny fiorella from less than jake fame so can you tell me a little bit how you got into contact with them did they contact you so we were with word is bond management 
And from there, Eric put us in touch with Vinny. He put uh, some of our music in front of Vinny. And luckily for us, uh, you know, Vinny really clicked with it. And then we met with him. And it was, like I say, it was just a meeting of minds. Like we all knew that we were on the same page and that we were like visions wise exactly going in the same you know the same kind of direction and that we wanted the same stuff so that was kind of a no-brainer really yeah and Vinny has been doing it the thing for so long now I mean I've been listening I'm 37 years old so I'm probably a little bit older than you but I've been listening to Less Than Jake since 1995 1996 and they'd been doing it for several years before that I think they started in 91 or 92 and I had friends I was lucky because I had friends that had Pezcore and I've kind of followed their career trajectory yeah. ever since I became obsessed with Less Than Jake. They're still one of my favorite live bands, an amazing live band. Even with him not playing with them, I know he consults with them and they're still friends and it doesn't seem like there's any bad blood or anything. But I watched him more or less start Fueled by Ramen. Yeah. And I was really into a lot of those earlier bands. And then Fueled by Ramen obviously became the behemoth that it is today throughout that transitional period. And that's a really cool story in and of itself. So I would imagine it was pretty exciting just to even talk to him knowing what he's done. Like there was a moment I had to, like there was a week that I had to take stock after, you know, we'd we'd signed with Lost where I was just sitting there one morning having breakfast and I literally, it just, the the thought hit me and I was like, we have been signed by the same guy who signed Fallout Boy. And my yeah, mind. yeah, right. And put out yeah records by Jimmy World before Clarity yeah. went out. You know, like that's some crazy shit. Like that's that's some mind blowing stuff. The history associated with that label, and of course the signing of Fall Out Boy, and everything that subsequently happened after that. Even all the bands that that spawned. You know, because Fall Out yeah. Boy has probably influenced millions of bands. I'm sure you would credit them oh, to yeah. being a hardcore influence and things like that. And I actually read an interview with you guys where you said specifically that you were paying attention to what Pete Wentz did in the mid 2000s from a business perspective and a networking perspective. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I obviously grew up loving Fallout Boy and and following their trajectory. And, you know, obviously, you know, all the all the girls thought that Pete was a heartthrob, but I saw kind of like past that, you know, that side of him, if you like and saw that he was really involved before that he'd obviously been in the hardcore scene anyway so he, he'd gained like a lot of contacts you know and kind of trajectory in in that scene but also he just really had that kind of diy business ethic that i think is ultimately where has got them from where they were to you know to where they are today and they're the sort of band who haven't been afraid to take risks and to do things that aren't necessarily going to be the popular decision shall we say amongst the you know amongst their their fan base they aren't afraid to kind of take those leaps and to take those risks and in you know in business sometimes yeah. you have to do that so they i really, really- admire that that he's you know he's had that mindset all these years and that they still they're still doing it you know yeah and depending on who you talk to you're going to get different opinions obviously of Fall Out Boy's career arc but I give them massive amounts of credit for creating their own sound yeah I remember there was a period of time I think around the 2005 mark where you were seeing Mark Hoppus and Pete Wentz spend a lot of time together yeah. And it makes sense that Fall Out Boy would be sort of the second incarnation of a band like Blink-182, but then to just completely go the opposite direction or go in a completely different direction, not necessarily the opposite direction, but they didn't double down on their pop punk roots. They kind of abandoned them for something else. Maybe they transcended the genre a little bit. I give them a lot of credit for that. I think of bands like 
Incubus and Deftones. It's like when you hear them, you know it's Incubus and Deftones. They have their own sound. And there was tons of copycats, of course, but I think Fall Out Boy wanted to basically create that for themselves too. And even though he was probably soaking up a lot of the ideology and the methodology from Blink and how they do business and how they treat their crew and everything and how they monetize their band, he didn't necessarily become the next Blink-182 and they certainly could have been. But yeah, I remember Pete was booking shows in Chicago in the early 2000s before Fall Out Boy was even a band. Or maybe it was the very first incarnation of what that was. And he was definitely networking. And that seems to be something that you're good at doing. You do that very well. That was the other reason I really wanted to have a conversation with you because you've started this pop punk networking group, which I think is a really brilliant idea. Can you talk about that? And what has that taught you? Yeah. So in my professional life, like social, like social media is my career. And outside of that, obviously, you know, music is is my life and, you know, being in, in, in the band is my life. And originally the pop punk networking group literally started from the concept that, you know, I made a lot of friends uh, as, as we were sort of going along in our career. And I wanted to create a kind of forum, if you like, online for us all to, to communicate, but also to be able to reach people who could offer, you know, their services in terms of, you know, DJs, in terms of radio stations, in terms of publications, Uh, Mm -hmm. So I started to invite, you know, some of my industry friends into the group. And then really what happened was kind of a snowball effect. And I couldn't have foreseen it, you know, coming to to the point that it's at today. But, you know, friends started inviting their friends and then sort of word sort of spread amongst the, the community. And then as time's gone by, I've really tried to sort of hone the group so that keep it kind of on topic there are a lot of facebook groups out there where kind of everything goes a bit crazy on a on on a daily basis and i've always kind of tried to keep that group as sort of relevant to the scene as possible which can be difficult because when you've got you know hundreds of posts coming in a day to to moderate that can be a bit of a challenge so i have had to you know bring other people to kind of help on that front especially with everything else going on but it's I'm like really happy to see you know the the kind of trajectory and the growth that's happened with that group and it was also kind of born out of what happened with Facebook pages if I'm honest as well because I think originally I was planning for it to be like a Facebook page and then everything that happened with Facebook pages and you know Facebook starting to limiting pages reach so you were in this kind of position that if you weren't prepared to pay for it or boost it, then, you know, you weren't going to be able to hit all of your core audience, all the people who who like the page. And then I saw that there was kind of a loophole with that, with groups. And so I turned it into a group instead. And then it's just grown into this community that it is today. Facebook really doubled down on pushing groups to yeah. people because they want people to be invited in specific communities. I'm assuming that's what they want. They want a little bit more of that community engagement where yeah, people are interacting with each other, like-minded people, and not necessarily just scrolling the feed. Exactly. I think that seemed to be the path that Facebook wanted to take. And it's interesting now because whenever I scroll through my feed, it's maybe 60% groups that I'm in, Yeah, which is kind of cool because, oh, this is stuff I actually care about, you know, and not just everybody's political beliefs and political affiliations and things like that. Oh, cool. This new band that I haven't heard, they've got a new single or something. Maybe I should check it out. And I'm sure for you, it probably is a little bit difficult to organize a group like that, where you're starting to get a lot of traction and people are posting a lot of stuff. Thank you for letting me promote the podcast in there. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's really cool. But it's almost like a peek in, you know, it's almost voyeuristic. People who maybe are thinking of starting a band, 
they might have a good lens through, oh, this is how, this would be a good way to promote, or I like the way these people promoted this new single, or I like the way they've rolled out this new video. And these people are interacting with people. This person seems to be fairly prolific. Maybe I should get to know them and network with them and, and develop a relationship. And then it becomes this community where high tide raises all ships. That's the yeah. hope, right? And it's almost like its own little mastermind. Have you heard of masterminds? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. It's usually entrepreneurial types, you know, getting in a room, just complimenting yeah. one another. But I mean, in one way, that's how you network, right? Yeah. You become immersed in a community in some capacity. And I, I think that's really cool. And I think from a business standpoint, it's a really smart decision on your part. You Thank said... You. We're going off topic here a little bit, but you said you do that for a career as well. What do you do for a living? So I'm a social media community manager, which essentially means that uh, I manage the online communities of different B2B and B2C companies and basically try and get their fan base, as it were. Obviously, it's not fan based because they're a business, but their customer base to, you know, to continue to engage with their products and and buy them and, and essentially become long-term customers of the business and also continue to be interested in what gets posted rather than just be like a one-time interaction and then disappear and you know they're never heard from again so that's kind of my my thing and I guess that sort of translated over into into some of what I've done with the networking group but it wasn't really until Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup posted in there about the group and I can't remember what his post said specifically but that was kind of the moment at which I was like wow because I didn't realize the trajectory that the group was or the impact that it was having in the community kind of until that point but that was a real sort of like stop and take stock moment because I just thought that was really cool. And he's such a like a chill, nice guy. And he's been really, really influential, you know, to a lot of a lot of new bands. And he does go through the group and listen to a lot of bands who post in there. And then quite often, you know, I've I've seen him pop up on different videos. And he really, you know, he's he's a he's a prominent member of the scene when it comes to getting involved in in new bands and new upstarts. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, dude. Speaking of Jarrett. He's the real deal. That dude is an incredibly nice guy. I used to be in a pop punk band and we were fortunate enough to play Warped Tour a couple of times. And we were on the same stage as Bowling for Soup. And we only had a couple of interactions with those guys, but they were so nice. Yeah. And they produced a record by a local band here in Kansas City in the States. He produced their record and I was friends with their guitar player. And he would tell me back before I met those guys, just how incredibly nice and humble those guys are. Yeah. And so that's very cool. And I think it's smart on his part. If he wants to be connected to the pulse of the scene, getting involved in a group like yours makes a lot of sense because there are a lot of people posting their demos in there. You know, yeah. it reminds me of maybe even 10 years ago when John Feldman was taking demo submissions all the time. You know, he wanted yep. to hear new bands. He wanted to hear some potential, you know, that's what he was yep. looking for. He wanted to hear diamonds in the rough or people that he could turn into the diamond from the rough. Yep. So I think that's smart. That just keeps you engaged. It keeps you connected. And he seems to be attaching himself to a lot of up and coming artists. I think there was a couple of weeks ago, he was promoting a single that he produced or worked on and it yeah. was great. It sounded totally new. It sounded totally fresh, something I hadn't heard before. So yeah, great guy. And it's cool that you guys are connected in that capacity. And then that just lends to the idea that eventually maybe you guys can do something together. Maybe if you come to the States, you record a single with him. He helps you produce it. Maybe even helps like yeah, produce maybe. an EP or something. I mean, it's cool. That's rad. 
Brad, do you ever feel a sense of responsibility at this point now to protect the scene, protect the networking and to promote your scene? I mean, yeah, I I would say there is there's definitely an element of that and also like the older that i'm getting like i'm i'm 30 now and you know the 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 scene itself is kind of aging with us um Mm -hmm. and i really don't want to see it you know die out or or completely just transform into something that none of us even recognize anymore because that would be really sad you know i don't know how many other people feel that way but like when i when i was growing up watching you know all of the 90s 2000s bands and uh, you know watching MTV and like that for me that's like the glory days and I'd love to see the total resurgence of that I'd love to see Warp Tour come back I know that's kind of you know me not too. finished but it's it seems like it's it's certainly kind of sitting at least for the for the time being maybe you know fingers crossed we'll see a resurgence of that um, I keep hearing those rumors that Franz from Attila is going to do it he's an interesting character I don't know much about him other than he seems crazy but <laughs> <laughs> if he brings it back, cool, I'll go. I just hope he can maintain some semblance of integrity the way Kevin yeah. Lyman did, because Kevin Lyman was the real deal too. Yeah. And it definitely be good to work to her again. I'll go when I'm 40. I don't give a shit. You know, I don't care about any of that stuff. It's a chance to get outside, go listen to a ton of bands that maybe I haven't heard or some that I have heard. You're always gonna have those legacy bands there. Yeah. Warp Tour is just a statement to that scene and that style of music. And there was really nothing else quite like it. A lot of people try to make comparisons to Lollapalooza and even Ozfest. Ozfest might have been the closest thing, but I had friends who played Ozfest and played Warp Tour, and they were like, Nope, Warp Tour is its own thing. Warp Tour is just a very special, unique experience, whether you're playing it, going to it. Yeah. championing it so the closest that we have i would say is is slam dunk festival yeah uh, and you know and and that's not anywhere near as extensive as warp to but i think that's as close as we get and that's when you get like all of the alternative scene turns out for the day and it's it's my favorite day of the year is that one day yeah uh, okay well, it, it's across i think it's across a, a weekend but they, they'll play one day up north and one day down south. And I go to the one that's south because uh, because of where I'm based. It's obviously closer. It's in uh, it's Hatfield that I go to. Cool. And I've you know, got big, huge field, uh, lots of different tents. And that's the closest that we get kind of to, to Warp Tour. There was, I'm sure that Warp Tour came over to the UK briefly. And this was going to be ages ago. This would have been in my teens. And I'm sure that I went down to like Alexandra Palace in London and I'm pretty sure that they had like a one day event there or something which was amazing but that really was like a one in a lifetime thing it was there and then you know never again not again yeah and that's because you know playing Warp Tour has been like on the band bucket list you know ever ever since we you know ever since we were conceived so it's it's (laughs) a punch in the gut that it's not around anymore so I really do hope that it kind of comes back and you know maybe then uh, like I say, there'll be a you know big resurgence. That'd be great. Yeah, me too. I'm right there with you. I hope they do it. People talk about it in the States all the time. I still see people talking about that. I thought it would never end. I thought it was a staple that was just going to continue yeah. on for 50 to 100 years or something. And maybe it will. Maybe it'll come right back. Yeah, I owe a lot to Kevin and Warp Tour. But how did a few too many meet and form? Do you guys meet in high uh, school? Or I know you guys have had different variations as far as members and things, but you guys are qualified your lineup recently yeah. right so yeah it's kind of a, a long and, and complex uh, story i won't go huge it always is yeah 
the very first iteration of the band met goodness me i would have been sort of around the 16 17 year old mark i think and there used to be a youth music project that ran in my town in saffron Wadham, tiny little town in the uk and basically there's almost nothing to do there and so once a week they run this youth music project out of our local kind of town center if you like Mm-hmm. And basically, I met the very first bassist of A Few Too Many there. And then we ended up going, I've got a shed in my garden, which essentially became the band shed for the next few years. And, you know, gradually we found a drummer, a singer and added everybody into the mix. But it, that's, you know, very different from, uh, you know, the A Few Too Many of today, which has been around for the best part of about two years now Great. and we've got you know mitch hollyman he plays the drums he's an absolute animal jez giles is the second longest serving member of the band he's been around about six seven years now and he's just he's awesome on lead guitar we've got rob who is our front man who's been he, he's our newest member he joined after our previous front man mike left and just brought all of the new elements to the band and the, the sound that you hear on the ep that we're in the process of putting out and which history and Sunday and Hayes are a part of you know he's very much you know to to thank for a lot of that and then also we have Luke who is our our bassist and he is yeah he's phenomenal bassist and also really really nice down to earth guy Um, when you know all of this lineup got into a room together we knew that that was it and you know I know that sounds really cliche but it literally it was just a meeting of minds we were all on the same page and it just it stuck and you know and yeah. that's been us ever since and then we've been working uh, you know on rep i've been in many bands and sometimes you can just feel the chemistry it's yeah. something palpable in the air but also sometimes when you start playing instruments together there is an element of chemistry that has to be there if you're going to be yeah commingling to the point where you're creating something out of nothing and you're not going to be beating your head against the wall the whole time you're attempting to do it. Because I've played with people where there isn't any chemistry. It doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad musician. If anything, to the contrary, amazing musicians. But if there's no chemistry, you can't move forward in an intelligent and proactive way when it comes to creating art. You just can't do it. So that's really cool. It sounds like you guys have chemistry with one another. And you can tell too, just from the singles that you guys have put out, you guys kind of have your own sound, but it definitely echoes some of your earlier influences, I'm sure, as most bands do, because nothing lives in a vacuum, right? No. But as far as being from the UK, is it encouraging and empowering to think of bands like Trashboat, WSTR, Neck Deep, Rome, all of these great poppy punk bands, pop punk bands, to be generating some momentum just from that area of the world from yeah. a scene perspective? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You don't have so many bands monopolizing from the States anymore. Yeah. It, it was definitely a point, I think, where the majority of our kind of pop punk and alternative scene was coming from the States. So, you know, bands like those definitely have created more of a scene over here. And, you know, and that's been really cool because obviously that means that, you know, there are there is an audience out there for, you know, like our kind of music, for example. And yeah, and it's really nice to kind of see that grow. And, you know, I hope it obviously continues to. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's cool. And I hope at some point you guys are able to make it over here. I'm sure that's the goal at some point to travel the States and then be able to tour and stuff like that. I know that presents its own level of challenges and logistical issues and things like that. Obviously with COVID too, you guys just got into a room together for the first time in a while. I saw on your Facebook, you guys had band practice the other day. Yeah. So it, yeah, it was 
absolutely phenomenal to be honest because we do like obviously we speak every week but it's very different from kind of doing that on the phone or virtually you know over zoom or something like this yeah but then actually being all in a room together and hanging out for the first time in absolutely ages just it was pretty surreal yeah tell jokes (laughs) laugh with one another exactly like you can't you know you can't kind of do that over you know over a virtual space it's it's very difficult in the same way that it's it's kind of hard to sometimes like work like that as well it's it's true for you know for being in a band especially like you can't have that kind of natural banter and the relationship that you would if you're all in a room together and you're having a laugh and yeah yeah so that was the first thing that we absolutely loved we were incredibly rusty (laughs) as you (laughs) but you know you're like i don't remember how to play this thing in my hand what's going on hang on a minute what's the guitar again what's a chord <laughs> yeah, but, yeah it was it was it was so much fun so i'm just glad that you know we've got that back and now obviously the rest of it is working on getting back to the the live shows which hopefully you know if the, if the rest of the country carries on unlocking things in the in the rate that they have been then hopefully that's we'll we'll, we'll have a productive summer in that fashion at least i hope so because we want to play I- everywhere and anywhere (laughs) yeah absolutely you're probably dying to play shows again i'm dying to go to shows again and they're just now starting to book them for the end of the year so that's i'm hopeful yeah so i'm a personal trainer and i train a musician but he also travels with bands and he's got a pretty big tour coming up and he leaves in mid-july he just got word so i was thinking okay there's progress there maybe they know something i don't or maybe they're just being hopeful but either way i think it's a good site to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Do bands in the UK, do you guys still, do you get in garages and play? Is that a thing? Do we get what, sorry? Do bands still get in garages and jam? Or is that just a States thing? Or is that just a like late nineties, early two thousands thing? I saw a lot of it in the, you know, in the nineties and two thousands, but I haven't seen so much of it recently. I think it's a shame because I think it's a really kind of intimate thing and it's memorable and you know house shows and stuff like that i think that those are the nights that people remember you know like 10 years down the line when you're like oh yeah do you remember that one time that you know we drank alone and then we played that show and it was in somebody's house like those are the kind of shows that people talk about for years to come so i think it's a shame but yeah no i haven't haven't seen any like that recently um okay i wondered if there was maybe a cultural difference i don't think so i I think okay it's I think it's just kind of died out, unfortunately, a lot recently. Yeah, it's kind of like that in the States too, I think. I think you're right in the fact that it may just be how people create music these days. I mean, file sharing, you can just send an idea, a very quick, rough idea that actually sounds halfway decent if you do it on a DAW or a GarageBand situation or something. The interview that I read with you specifically, and I think they were interviewing a couple of you guys. You guys mentioned that several of you write and the singer, he writes melodies and lyrics but also you write melodies and lyrics too do you write predominantly the majority of the lyrics and the melodies or how does that work how do you guys split that up so yeah i would say my forte is definitely writing lyrics and the dynamic of the band has very much changed which is kind of why we're all so aligned and on the same page now because when the band started out it was a very different dynamic and if you look at say our first ever album, Lessons Learned, the dynamic on that was that me and Jez had kind of written everything between the two of us and the other guys, you know, had involvement here and there, but not really so much from a songwriting perspective. 
but th- with this EP, you know, we kind of said right from the off, right, well, we want to do it, all five of us. We want to write everything, all five of us. We want to split everything, all five of us. We want to do this, all five of us, because it's not just one person. It's not two people. It's five people. We're a band. We're a collective. And that's kind of how we want to we want to go about it. And obviously, you can sometimes have, to use the phrase, too many cooks in the kitchen. But we fortunately haven't run into anything like that at the moment. You know, when we've written all together in a room, it's been very much bouncing off one another and somebody will add in one element and then somebody else will be like, well, hang on a minute. Have you thought about this? And there's not there aren't really that many disagreements when when we do that. So it's been great. That's great, man. Yeah, it just speaks to that chemistry and just having an open mind, you know, because if you're fairly closed minded and you have the skeleton of the song already kind of laid out in your mind, it's difficult to take that input and take those ideas. Yeah. Well, cool, man. So you guys have an EP coming out at some point on Lost Music Collective. I cannot say too much in this interview or I will I will get shouted at but (laughs) but, it's all good man yeah we're gonna keep that mystique and that mystery alive for a little bit longer coming out and it will be this year and awesome that's all I'm gonna say (laughs) radical red I will also say that there is gonna be a new single dropping soon as well so that's great, man. That's exciting. I will definitely check it out. And are there other artists? I haven't had a chance to look at Lost Music Collective's social media or their website or anything. Are there more artists on the collective yeah. as well? Yeah, absolutely. And we're not the only UK artist either. We've also got Who Saves the Hero from Wales and also Home Truths from up north. Both absolutely phenomenal bands. Anybody listening should definitely check them out, especially if you you love those 90s, 2000s vibes, then they'll be right up your alley. Um, cool. And yeah, we're excited to play some shows with them, which we may or may not be doing sometime in the near future. You never know. <laughs> Red. That's awesome. That's good, man. Hyping it up. It's good. You're good at this. This marketing <laughs> thing. <laughs> and then Vinny, he's got stuff going on with the Inevitables, which is a really cool project in and of itself. I talked to Jono from the Swellers, I think three months ago. And he just posted that they just put out the the first official comic book. And that whole project is kind of neat to watch too. Then yep. he just seems like a very prolific, smart, wise dude and very creative too. So I think you guys are in good hands there. Just the knowledge and wisdom that he could give you, I think would yeah. be of massive benefit. It sounds like he's saying stay as self-sufficient as possible. Keep your DIY ethos and work yeah. hard and good things will come. And it sounds like that's what you guys are doing. So cool, man. Well, Red, do you want to let the listeners know before we wrap up here where they can find a few too many, obviously on Spotify? Yep. Yep. So What's you your... can find us on Spotify if you search up a few too many, but we also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash a few too many. We're on Twitter twitter.com slash a few too many uk and we're on instagram instagram.com slash a few too many official official red awesome people should keep up with you and other great upcoming pop punk bands instead of watching the news 24 7 i think well we would appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) they'd be a lot happier that's for sure especially more positivity (laughs) yeah yeah especially if they're into that style of music well cool man well thanks again for speaking with me today it's been a pleasure i can tell you're a smart thoughtful dude and i appreciate you continuing to network and advocate for the scene and thanks again for doing the group i think it's a great place where a lot of really smart like-minded people go to and and discuss these things and yeah just keep taking care of yourself and have fun with the band okay 
I will do. And thank you very much for having me on here. Appreciate it. Of course, it. man. It was a pleasure. Look forward to hearing the new single and keep in touch if you need anything. Or if you guys yeah. are ever planning on coming to the States, let me know. There's oh, a yeah. lot of great venues in the Midwest. As soon as we uh, we have that all sorted out, because I know it's very much going to be on the cards. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to help the podcast out, if you want to do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, if you could just leave us a review, a five-star review would be amazing wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you just want to recommend this podcast to a friend who might enjoy it. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day. Hope you're having a blast listening to your favorite records. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) 